Welcome to the Compassion Parenting Podcast, helping moms to love wisely and well. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Wild, integrative pediatrician and mom of eight sons who continually challenge and teach me. Over the years, I've learned that rather than outward technique, it's the internal landscape of the heart that affects parenting more than anything else. Mothering is about being, not just doing. You have everything you need within you to become the parent you want to be. So let's bring it out. Welcome to the Compassion Parenting Podcast. Today we have the privilege of speaking with my friend Suzanne Tucker. She is the founder of Generation Mindful. She's a mom of four and has been a parent educator for 30 years. She has a wonderful platform at Generation Mindful with social emotional learning tools and toys and classes. Suzanne, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and play with you. Yes. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about the subject of reparenting. I don't know if you listeners out there have heard of this concept, but Suzanne, maybe can you tell us what reparenting is? Yes. And that's why I bring up like, this is a little play date for my little inner self and yours, Mary. So yes. Dr. Mary, as I <laughs> think of you and call you. So reparenting the self is a beautiful commitment to picking up the baton wherever life left off the nurturing of the little person that lives in you. And, and some of us, there's many, many facets of that little person, not just one. So that really is, it's a commitment to nurture and love the soul that is you to show up in a way that we each long for as human beings. We long to be seen and to know a sense of belonging and safety. And so childhood is complex. It has many layers. And I always say every one of us is doing this reparenting journey work. Every one of us. It's it's not a reflection on, oh, that was rough or that didn't go well. Not at all. Every human person has an opportunity to heal and grow through the experiences called childhood. So that's really what it is. And we can go into more, but at the offset, it really is just a, hey, I am going to, now that I am an adult... I am now can step up and nurture and defend and protect and heal that little me inside that when I was little, I was wanting these things, but I didn't have the skills yet. I wasn't old enough or mature enough. And now we can come in and be that for ourselves. Yes. And I think that's such a comforting idea, especially for those of us who maybe don't have access to our main caregiver, like our mother anymore. But even if our mother is right next door, it's different because we are adults and we have to have this degree of self-sufficiency. And sometimes we have to do a little repair work. And so I think reparenting can be about repair work, but it's also, I love how you said it's just about going forward in a nurturing way at whatever stage we're at. Yes. And, you know, I run the summit, Repair Yourself Summit every January. I feel like the new year is a new energy or space for healing and self-awareness. It's just a beautiful time of the year where I just feel we're all uniquely supported to go there. And I do this literally every year. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And if you have children in your world, and they don't need to be biologically your children, in your world, if you are a care provider, if you are a parent, if you are a grandparent, 
What you will find, I think, and I'd love to tell you some personal stories about what it's meant to me, but I think what you find is we're all really working to show up, to show up in the present moment. And when I do my reparenting work, I find that that becomes accessible for me with the little people in my world at a really magical new level that maybe wasn't available to me before. And and it's like an onion. It's always ever unpeeling. There's nowhere we need to be other than right where we are. And so I find it to be very encouraging to pull me into the present of this moment to, and I, and I believe that's where really love and spirit and, you know, our highest selves show up is the present moment into yes. this, you know, miracle of now. Right. And it's really, I love the idea of connecting with our inner child and because that child inside of us wants to be curious and playful and be present. And so that is where emotional wellness lives is, you know, being able to don't get it as a society, like for me to open up, let's have a play date. Sometimes play can be a curious place. It doesn't actually mean what we think it means. We think play is only like, you know, getting out the tinker toys or doing the Legos. Play can be all day. It can be a way of life. It can be a way of looking at life. So if we bring that curious nature that children just really get, Mm -hmm. play can be pausing to examine the weed growing in the crack of the sidewalk that kids do so well. You're rushing to the car. That can be a moment of play where, and so really you can see where mindfulness practice and play just come together beautifully hand in hand because when we have that playful filter, we are showing up to our sensory surroundings and our body Mm -hmm. and our mind and our spirit. It just, it's the fullness of life is it just there, right? And so it doesn't mean it's all unicorns and rainbows. We can show up and to our sadness, Mm -hmm. to our worry and to our hurt and to some really hard memories about what was childhood. So I just, I feel like it's all there for us. And it's really, it's making it safe to feel. It's really making it safe to have an embodied moment called, you know, I'm here in my body, feeling my life, feeling my memories, feeling my now and really feeling into my future. And Suzanne, could you tell us a little bit about why reparenting became an important thing for you? Why did you start this summit? It really, it all goes back to why I even started Generation Mindful. So I've been a parent educator and a therapist with a focus on secure attachment. So I'm a physical therapist. So I love using the physical body to get me to that place in relationship where where I feel secure and attached. And, and I, I taught baby massage and positive parenting. And I learned so much from the magic of the little moments being on the floor surrounded by other parents and children and families. Universally, decade after decade, what I was learning was that I was not alone in this feeling of not enoughness that I carried it mm-hmm. from my childhood into my motherhood. I also learned that there's quite a bit of shame and fear in the realm of parenting. And I guess I just hit a, a tipping point about seven years ago. And I said, that's it. I'm not going to be a part of the overwhelm and the not enoughness and the disempowerment of families. Living in an information age, 
And what I saw that was uniquely needed in my community were tangible play-based tools, like little training wheels to get me where I want to be, which is here. And I knew if I needed it, support to show up powerfully in the present moment, not every all the time, even if that it means I'm showing up because I'm yelling at my kid, I want to show up and love myself in that moment of awareness where I notice, oh, hey, I am yelling at my child without guilt and shame, with mm-hmm. love, with compassion. Mm-hmm. So I started the entire community to create those training wheels with tangible, play-based, relationship-based, evidence-based ways to bring what we're learning about relationship and positive discipline and mindfulness really into my life, raising my little people. And I, I really do focus on about birth to, you know, tots to teens. But what I found a few years into this, so we've got a lot of solutions and free information as well as, you know, resources. What I found was the real universal theme was where is my pause? Who am I healing from the inside out as a parent? And the greatest gift I can give my child is not a little something for them. It's a little piece of me. And so I started the Reparent Summit a few years back, and now I do it every every January. Mm-hmm. And you know, we have it free and available as a three day experience, so that people can kind of get a sense of it, see if it is something they're interested in. So I would love to hear any thoughts you have about that, and then I can walk you through what a three day experience might look like. Yes, and I will put a link in the show notes to that Reparenting Summit experience, and I found so much value and depth in it, and. One thing that it reminded me of was, you know, sometimes as parents, we get stuck in the past, kind of blaming our past for the struggles we have now, and it's hard to get past that. And sometimes then we come up and show up in that same spirit of kind of criticism of ourselves, thinking, oh, I'm making all these mistakes. But when I wrote my parenting book, I realized that As I remembered my mom, I remembered just these little like moments. And then I also kind of remembered her essence of what in general it was like to be with her. It wasn't like I remembered that one day when she got mad at me when I was late for school. You know, it was more of like these other really representative, meaningful episodes. Like, you know, when I remember coming in from a cold day in Minnesota and having her warm my hands in her hands, you know, or when I would sit on her lap and I would suck my thumb and like put my hand on her neck, on her soft neck and and just feel that softness. And so that's how I remember my mom. And I think that gives me comfort. This is mother. I can almost feel your limbic brain and your reptilian brain that have no words. When you share those moments, Mary, what I do is I feel Mm-hmm. And so what a beautiful reminder to each of us out there, mother, father, parent, whomever we are in another human person's life, there is a power to presence. Mm-hmm. And you're really giving us permission in what you explore in your book to let go of perfect mm-hmm. and the pressure of getting it wrong because we're humans and we are getting it wrong. We're getting it wrong every day, quote unquote, but mistakes help us learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And this is about being in relationship. And when we pick up that approach, hey, I'm in relationship, and we look at the power of our presence, we will find those little moments that you speak up there that are just powerful because of the presence of the, and what you shared with your mother, those two stories 
that was the power of her presence. Right, right. So tell us about the structure of the workshop. And, and I think that will help highlight some aspects or components of what reparenting is. Yes. Well, so I'm going to tell you a little story about my reparenting journey. And then I'm going to walk you through what you'll find on day one, day two, and day three. And what I really want you to get present to is that it's not something that takes any time. It really is an awareness level. Mm-hmm. The mo- One of the most profound reparenting things that I discovered early in my reparenting journey was a ritual. And it's the way that I begin my, my day. And I literally wake up now and I greet myself and I say, good morning, Suzanne. Mm-hmm. And my little, my nickname, I was one of seven. I was the fifth of seven growing up. And all my siblings called me Slanny or Suzanne because they couldn't say Suzanne. So it was Slan, <laughs> Slanny. And Suzanne, when they got a little older. So I think of myself as Slanny or Suzanne. And I I just invite you into the, the simplicity and the beauty of greeting yourself anew each morning with that joy and that love. Just I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to be with you. Mm-hmm. I celebrate you. I see you. It's really that simple about showing up for seeing and supporting you. And so now I would love to just take you through. So that leads us to day one. So day one in the series, there's five interviews. And in day one is that invitation to just show up for the self. It really is. It's that simple. It's just like that. Good morning. I love you. Mm-hmm. And so in day one, we're learning about what is an inner child, how what is reparenting. And you'll see a little bit of information from Dr. Dunkley, who's the foremost on technology, about numbing the self, like maybe it's not easy to do this. Maybe this inner work isn't always so easy. And so what does it look like when we're not maybe feeling safe or doing that work? And so we talk a little bit about numbing and and what you'll find is no matter what we're talking about is love. It's love and not shame. And there's a father who runs a program about emotional intelligence, very similar to mine in the UK. And he shares his experience as a male growing up and then as a father wanting to dominate and parent from a, a classic punitive model and really his wake-up moments mm-hmm. and how that involved his little self. And so I think if you'll just find in day one, a real beautiful tapestry of showing up for the self, what mm-hmm. that looks like through all these different diverse voices. So that's day one. It's a beautiful day. Day two in the speaker series, we are getting closer to the concept of the inner child and moving into mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness to me is being present to the moment with joy and ease. So we're going to get a little bit more granular about mindfulness practice, what helps us show up mindfully and present to the moment for that little inner child. There's also a couple sharing on day two that people really found helpful when you're in this with a partner and you're looking for words to come at life from a shared platform mm-hmm. in the way you're healing and maybe in the way you're raising um, mm-hmm. children. So that is day two. And then on day three, we are getting into a sweet, sweet place, what I call healing, mm-hmm. healing and the growth. So it's sort of like we're recognizing, we're restoring And then we're repairing. So we're recognizing, then we're regulating. And then we're moving into the restoration and the repair. And that's that day three. So if you think about it, recognizing, regulating, mindfulness practices are so awesome for regulating. And then repair and growth. And that's 
restorative practices are things like yoga, breath work, you know, all the many things that we have embraced in life that are healing for us. So on day three, we're going to really look at generational trauma, generational healing, practices like yoga, embodied listening and ways of showing up for body wisdom. It's such a beautiful event and it does kind of take us through the experience and the process that you talk so much about in general with the work that you do about this idea of name it, feel it, and heal it. It it actually matched that arc so beautifully. And that was what inspired how I framed the whole summit. So a practice of I'm a research junkie. I love all the books on everything, trauma, generational trauma, attachment. Where do we become resilient? What are the key factors of resilience? You know, how are we either predisposed or not towards compassion, mindfulness, resilience? And these are the things that I love to read about mm-hmm. and learn about. And then I've made it my job to bring it back in a very simple form always. Mm-hmm. And so all the research out there, all the interpersonal neurobiology from Dr. Dan Siegel and Bruce Lipton and Ross Green and Bruce Perry, all of these experts can really be simple down into these three words. And when I teach about emotions to four-year-olds, when I go in the classroom, really all I teach is name it. And I take out binoculars and we look around, we're looking for our feelings. Because how are we going to be with them if we can't even like see them? We don't have the words to Mm -hmm. express them. So naming what's going on in our inner world is a really powerful practice. Feel it. We want to skip right by the feeling part and just maybe understand it or analyze it, right? We go up into the brain and we move out of the body. We want to keep coming back into the body where all the magic really happens through this beautiful, you know, gift that we've been given called the human body. Mm -hmm. So we name it, we feel it using all the senses and then we heal it. And if you read The Body Keeps the Score or any of these books on trauma, that's where we're going to come to our healing. Mm-hmm. It's through the ownership, the seeing, the name it, the feel it, and then we can move into the integration of those hard things, which is the healing. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we forget that the place that we were at when we accumulated these struggles or these traumas, maybe we didn't have the words then. And so we kind of can't process it in a really cerebral way, we have to go back to being in the body because that's how we have stored these things. And so we can't just kind of do a 40-year-old version of processing. We almost have to just become that five-year-old or that seven-year-old. Again, we have to give ourselves permission to just let it be more body-centered, I guess I would say. And all I would add to that is And this is a radical shift, y'all. I want you to say with me, I get to show up for me. Like, doesn't that just bring the joy and the ease? I get to show up for me. And I want you to really experience this as that simple Mm -hmm. and that joyful. Because we're adults. We make everything hard, right? Like, we're (laughs) trained like, oh, we're adulting. It's hard. And we really do make things hard sometimes and we can suck the joy out of things. And if you bring the playfulness back, just bring the get to 
And it will be easier to show up for yourself in your sensory body when you start to feel safe. Just dip your toe in. Even just that playful idea of dipping your toe into this work, right? Into this invitation to get to show up for yourself. So that's that's how I would frame it. And our thoughts matter. So give yourself the support of one thought that brings you joy. Bring it to yourself. What is it? I get to show up for me. That would be one. Or my mistakes help me learn and grow. That's another one that I love. There's just so many little phrases in my lifetime that I've used to center me and anchor me in whatever I'm choosing in my life. So if you are hearing this and you're like, this sounds like an invitation. I, I want to jump in. I want to swim here. I want to enter into this. See if you can just frame it for yourself joyfully. Yes. I love that. Now, do you have any stories to share to bring to life this process, either from someone you've seen go through this work or yourself? I have one. I have one. And when you go through the series, if you listen to Sabri's interview on early memories, Mm. day one, I model how to go through this work with my own experience. It's probably like 40 minutes on this little story that I'll share with you in about three minutes. Yes. So as a little person, I remember I was six years old. This is one of the more profound memories that didn't really come to me till I was in my 30s and having my own children. Mm-hmm. I remembered waking up and feeling silly and playful and deciding also feeling probably a little bit lonely and not seen in the world, a busy family. So I decided to play a game, but not tell anybody I was playing a game. And I went and I hid in a closet. And I can remember my smelling my mom's you know fur and like on my face and feeling the coats and the mothballs and just I can smell it. I can just transport myself right back there. But I can also remember the crushed little girl feeling when life went on without me. And I started to hear people wake up and run and play and nobody missing. And I heard my mom's iron skillet come out and breakfast and you know, it was actually later in the day and things unfolding. I can remember it all, Mm -hmm. all the sensory. But what I really remember was making the choice to hide my pain, to put on the little mask of a strong, I don't need you to notice me or need me, you know, Mm -hmm. person. And I walked out of that closet forever changed with a new armor that Mm -hmm. said, it's not safe to be needy or to feel sad or lonely or better to be strong and self-sufficient. And so that was little Susanne's decision process and how it came to be that I chose safer moments. I chose to be powerful. I chose to show up a certain way, maybe non-needy or self-sufficient, you know, up and through my twenties till I discovered, Hey, that's not working for me. You know, I want to be a deeply feeling, authentic, self-expressed, powerful person. And so I started to do my work and my journey to uncover little me who was silly and playful and emotional and empathic, I would even say, some things that I really just packed away. Mm -hmm. So that's just one little story that really forever changed who I am in relationship, that I could rediscover myself that way and work through that story. And it's it's one of my favorite stories of my childhood. There's so many others, but that's just one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The feeling of recognizing 
that you weren't missed in that moment and just being struck with that sense of things moving forward. Thank you for sharing that profound story. And as you shared, my mind went a couple different directions. One in thinking about the idea of my sense of kind of taking the baton that you initially talked about becoming more real and raw as I saw my mom's decline in her health. And my sister and I took care of her for about nine years. And over that time, I had to say goodbye to parts of her, you know, day by day. And she wasn't accessible anymore to be able to ask advice. And so I had to, you know, kind of recall, you know, what she would have said or what she would have done and also think, and what would I say? And what would I tell myself here? And love that progression. Beautiful progression. Yes. But, you know, so it was like a process. And I remember specifically, like my sister and I had gone back to my mom's house to clean it out and clear it out when we realized that she wouldn't be going back to it because she was going to come and stay with us. And my sister and I were just like laying on her bed. And this little headboard had a a little handle on the drawer and it would tap whenever you moved the bed and it just tapped, 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 tapped. And I just remembered all of a sudden laying on that bed with her when she read me Trixie Belden Mysteries and, you know, seeing the wallpaper on her wall, seeing the, the flowy curtains. And again, it's just the idea of capturing those healing episodes and choosing to tuck those away and hold them as like safe places to come back to. But yet, you know, gathering the strength to go forward as a mom myself. And so that's one thing that came to mind is this idea of like, sometimes this passing of the baton, it happens all of a sudden, or it happens by degrees where we realize, okay, I'm the one who's the grown up here, you know, I'm in charge now, I'm, I need to do this, you know. And then the other place it took me is just the idea that our kids are constantly inviting us back to our own core identity and our own, you know, inner child. I remember going on a walk with my oldest son when he was two. So this was a long time ago, but we were just taking a walk around the block and it took like an hour because he would stop and he would, you know, notice the ants and try to pick them up. And then he would find a rock and then he would, you know, be gathering sticks and these treasures And, you know, if I had walked around that block, it would have taken me about two minutes and I would have missed all those things. And so it was like a gift that he was giving me to like reintroduce me to that awe and that wonder. And so I think that that's a gift our our kids can give to us day after day if we will let them, if we will pause, if we will put down our phones and we will look them in the eye and actually see them. So. So beautiful. So beautiful. Your stories just really live for me. You're clearly a writer. You bring the sensory world to life in your memories. And I would invite each of us. That's what memories really are. If you feel like you have trouble remembering, play some gentle music, lay down, just allow your body to remember. So the word member is your personhood. Remembering means bringing back to life within yourself. It could be an emotion, a wave of feeling, something you can't even put words to. Just allow it to come. And then if you want to go through your senses, what do I see? What do I feel? What do I smell? What do I taste? What do I touch? What do I 
What are my memories? Allow your body to take you there. That is one of the exercises actually. And there's so much for you there. And the last thought that your share brought up for me is this idea that, so there's a, there's a quote that we can be the parent or the adult we needed when we were little. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I love to put a little asterisk by it. So we can be the adult we needed when we were little. We can be that for ourselves, most importantly. When we hear that quote, we think about being the adult we needed for children, for mm-hmm. other children. I also think how much more profound to be the adult we needed when we were little for ourselves and be the adult that the child in front of us is needing for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's possible for us to show up as the adult, the child in front of us needs uniquely, very separate from ourselves, if we haven't shown up as the adult we needed for ourselves. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, totally. Because we will be in reaction to the little person in us and our needs. Oh, you, you're manipulating me, or why don't you do that? Or whatever reactive state we have is triggered when we haven't gone in and taken a moment to look and see what were those possible unmet needs. Mm. And when we do this work, we really are empowered to show up much more present, I believe, with the unique opportunities to be in relationship with the little one in front of you. That is not you. They Mm. probably don't need exactly who you needed when you were little. They're unique people. So I just, that to me is is a wonderful final note to think about each of us, that opportunity to show up for ourselves, that we might show up uniquely and completely separately for another. Yes. And just recognizing that the things that are outwardly triggering are just little clues about some things we might need to go back to. And everything, you know, as we go back and look at our experiences, we might find some things that are troubling and upsetting, but everything we've experienced has gotten us to the place we are now, you know, whether the gifts were wrapped beautifully or wrapped in barbs, you know? So it's kind of coming to a place of deep acceptance and peace. And so thank you so much for inviting us through this process, even in this 30 minute or so period of just the idea that we can acknowledge our feelings, that we can feel our feelings and that we can heal, you know, these feelings that we've carried with us. And so we can go forward with joy and ease. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Compassion Parenting Podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts. What resonated with you? What questions came up? Let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Compassion Parenting or within my free Facebook group, Parenting Well, Raising Compassionate and Productive Humans. Links are in the show notes. If you've gained insight from the time we've shared today, leave a review and subscribe. There's a quick how-to in the show notes. Have a blessed week. May you love yourself, your family, and the world wisely and well.